0: You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from biggerpockets.com, your home for real
1: estate investing online.
2: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Bigger Pockets Podcast. This is Show Seven. I'm your host, Josh Dorkin, along with my co host, Brandon Turner. What is going on, Mr. Brandon?
0: Oh, not much, Josh uh but to be honest, I'm getting a little tired of this winter. I'm looking forward to the sunshine again, you know what We've got inches of
2: snow on our front yard, and it's uh it's certainly getting a little bit dreadful, even though we've got three hundred days of sunshine here in Denver, Colorado.
0: You do, and I have three hundred days of rain out here in uh Florida, <laughs> <Saint-O>, Washington. <laughs> well, you know you can always get up and move man i i could i I don't know. I like my house now,
2: yeah, nice, nice. Well, you know, it'll be spring soon. So, uh, and and spring. Speaking of which, is a great time to sell your house or to buy a house. And with that in mind, we've got a great show today, don't we? We do. And uh, nice transition, Josh. Did you <laughs> like that? That was that was awfully creative. That was smooth. Yes. Well, speaking of smooth, I've got some <laughs> Colt forty-five here. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Yeah, was kidding. Well, let listen, man. Let's uh, let's jump right into this thing. All right, sounds good. So, for all you guys listening, you know that most real estate investing podcasts are, are typically about the hype and the motivation, uh, which certainly has its place. Uh, but here on the Bigger Pockets podcast, we we like to go further and keep with the tradition of BiggerPockets.com by by bringing you you know actionable real life strategies that we could use in our day to day. Real estate investing careers, um, and and of course that's our goal for today's show as well. Um, today we're actually going to be sitting down with Ryan Lundquist, a busy appraiser from the Sacramento area who's got a he's got a keen insight I'd say into into the real estate world through uh, his appraising job. Uh, Ryan runs the Sacramento Appraisal Blog, uh, sacramentoappraisalblog.com, and teaches people about exactly what an appraiser does. Um, look, bottom line is investors deal with appraisers on a day-to-day basis, and they've got a huge say in how our deals turn out. We thought it'd be great to talk with an appraiser, get to know their side of the industry so we can in turn all become better
0: real estate investors. Hey, real quick, I just wanted to point out, um, Ryan actually published an article on the BiggerPockets blog yesterday called How to Challenge a Low Appraisal, Advice from a Real Appraiser. And it actually includes a form you can download uh, that you can send to an appraiser uh, or to a bank to challenge an appraisal. So it's a pretty great. Uh, you can check it out in the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show seven. Uh, but uh, yeah, check it out. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did
1: you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. You're trying to close on your next rental. So why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. So whether you've got a single family, short term or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment free quote tailored to your needs today. Want to dive deep into commercial real estate, entrepreneurship, leadership and the economy? Tune into the Walker webcast hosted by the CEO of Walker and Dunlop.
2: So without further ado, welcome to the show, Ryan. How you doing?
3: Hey, doing well. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Uh, definitely, definitely.
2: Thanks for coming, man. Well, listen, let's jump right in here. We're going to talk about appraisals and, and issues of, of uh, that type here. So let's get into to this. How do you know what a property is worth?
3: Oh, there are so many things. I wish it was just a matter of uh, pulling out a number out of a magic hat, and it, would, it took just a couple minutes. But these days, it seems like it takes so long to really establish a value because uh, there's so many different types of sales. And really what my goal as an appraiser is, is to, to compare the best available information in the market and to find the most similar types of properties – and then uh, add and subtract based on differences. Whether one has a nicer kitchen or a bigger lot, uh, you know, th- third car garage space or whatever, then uh, find out what the market's willing to pay for those things, and then um, adjust for them and come up with the final value. It's really that simple. Yet it's kind of complicated because. Uh, short sales often sell for less. There's dirty REOs. There's pristine investor flips. There's just funky market dynamics where buyers are willing to overpay by twenty thousand. And so, it's really sifting through a lot of conflicting information, and a lot of
0: time to come up with that value. So I'm guessing Ryan, then you don't just go to Zillow and type in what's his estimate. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I actually don't. Um, it's funny people are always always looking at Zillow, but it's just not an accurate appraisal, especially sometimes the information in Zillow has is really spotty because the information to me as an appraiser is spotty, but I need to go pay for that information in certain counties, and so they don't have it, and so you can look up a property, and it could be off by a couple hundred thousand dollars. Sometimes they nail it, but most of the time it's it's off, and sometimes it's off quite significantly.
2: Well, so what about potentially going to multiple uh, AVMs, and AVM is automated valuation model for, for those people who don't know, but uh, Zillow would be an AVM, Trulia. Um, sh- could I potentially then go to, say, Realtor, Trulia, Zillow, and, and basically concoct some kind of average to, to come up with a, a fair appraisal value, or are these numbers just so randomly off that it's not really going to be an accurate assessment?
3: You know, it all comes down to the data, how good the data is, because a lot of these sources are pulling the same data, and if the data is inaccurate, if it's not complete, if it's really not consistent with sales in the neighborhood, then you're going to have a skewed value, and um, AVMs have their place because they can be sort of a good, you know, get your foot in the door to figure out what may be a ballpark figure. Um, I say that with a grain of salt, of course, but... Um, you know, it's sort of it is what it is, but it's just not. It's it's not going to compare to to a human on the ground who really understands the dynamics and the trends in the market. Say, for example, there was a um, a difference in, of ten percent between arms length sales and uh, short sales. Well, an AVM may not know that, and so there really could be a huge value discrepancy by not knowing some of those things in the market, or maybe a pothouse you know, sold. It was totally stripped, and and you know, just found one of those the other day. It's all that's always fun, but but it's just you know, ABMs don't know that, and so humans do.
2: Gotcha, gotcha. So there, there is, there is no replacing feet on the ground. Is is the bottom line here?
3: Yeah, I don't think so. And some people talk about that. You know, appraisers will eventually be replaced. But my big thing is that you know, maybe that would happen. But the thing is, is it appraisers carry insurance and you can sue an appraiser and so i i don't i i think that's a luxury that the uh, real estate world is going to want to keep
2: yeah yeah for sure well let let's get into the appraisal itself how do you come up with the numbers for an appraisal you know i mean you know everybody there's there's comps i mean other various methodologies what what do people need to know
3: Yeah, there's uh, the sales comparison approach where you basically compare the subject property to other competitive properties in the neighborhood. And so it's really important, of course, first to define the neighborhood to get those boundaries right because we all know if you cross the freeway or the other side of the road track, so to speak, you can be in a completely different market where values are exponentially higher exponentially lower or just different and so it's important to have the neighborhood defined right and especially obviously for investors too because you want to be pulling these sales that are truly competitive and and really what makes a comp is something that w- would buyers consider this property as a replacement if these sales were still listed on the market would a buyer be shopping for all these houses so i talk a lot say with uh, realtors and sometimes investors and i get handed sort of a stack of potential comps to say hey this is you know as support for why the property is worth what it's worth but sometimes they're they're just so different they're you know 700 square feet larger or just have incredible amazing upgrades and and those don't really compare so it's just a matter of uh, comparing it to the right properties in the right neighborhood same neighborhood um but if it's an income production property too you're also, going to you know factor in how much income can this property really produce, and you're going to be looking at the gross rent multiplier, and, and you're going to be comparing rents, and um you know so there's a different layer of uh, analyzing the market in, in that regard.
2: Gotcha. Now, now does that is that something that you guys deal with? I would imagine a lot of people are probably crawling up your backside saying, "Hey, man, this ain't worth this,", this you know, and and trying to influence the way you uh, come up with your numbers is that is that one of your biggest complaints with uh with inven- vi- investors and uh um, home
3: buyers well i, I think um, i i don't know that i'd say it's a complaint but I, I just say a critique of uh some investors is it i would just say price your properties correctly uh right now there's there's such low inventory that you can price a property in my market for almost anything and generate multiple offers at that level but all sales and listings it just it doesn't support that level because inventory is so low i think buyers are so hungry and so tired of getting of having to shop for so many months to actually get into contract that they'll offer anything and so i think it's just important to realize that and so there's you know sometimes complaints that appraisers are botching deals and sometimes they really are. I, I'm not making light of that. There's some really bad appraisals out there but other times uh, an appraiser's doing his or her job and bringing this property in measuring the market correctly where the price probably should have been.
2: okay, so you brought up a really good point about potentially an uh, appraisers botching uh, the numbers so l- let's let's circle back and and maybe talk about how can we find a good appraiser How do you know? where to find a good appraiser, how do you get recommendations, and, 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 and look for somebody who is going to give you trustworthy numbers, and, and then how do you really verify uh, as, as an investor or uh, a home buyer uh, if those numbers are, are kosher?
3: Yeah, well, it, it's it's a little bit complicated because you can't handpick your appraiser. As we all know, anyone in the real estate community, it's not like what it used to be during the previous boom and where realtors, investors, homeowners, whoever, the borrower could pick their own appraiser. That's that system's done away with, and so essentially, you're sort of. Uh, you know, it's up to the lender to choose the appraiser, and so you may get a good one, you may get a bad one. I just recommend people to work with reputable lenders who have an appraisal ordering system where they're working with local appraisers and paying them well. Um, you know, if if there's this appraisal management company, this third party system ordering an appraisal from. Uh, an appraiser and willing to pay them you know, $250 when everyone else is getting 400 then you're probably not going to have a very good appraisal. And you definitely don't want to have uh, the lender uh, choosing an appraiser who lives two hours away from the property when there's a ton of appraisers who can handle it locally. And so um, those are always challenges. And so in some senses, you're not guaranteed quality. You never are. But I think you can sort of... Uh, minimize da- or minimize damage by finding a lender who really is uh, reputable and, and really is working with with good appraisers.
0: That's really good advice. Uh you know, I recently um I I've been selling a house right now. It's actually supposed to close today so I'm pretty excited about that. And uh, mm. we, we had an appraisal and it came we were selling the house for 110. I live in a pretty low um, price area, so 110,000 and the appraisal came back at, you know, remarkably exactly 110,000. I mean, it was within dollars of, uh, of what the price was. But he, when he appraised it, he compared it, which it, this was a flip. It was after the repairs were done. He compared it with three, um, comps that were, uh, repos. And so there were like these terrible looking properties in worse locations. And I, and I, I, I call that lazy appraising because you know, he didn't go out to actually find ones that were comparable. He went and found the, the three that would just give him his number. So then we had a problem with, we needed to raise the purchase price, uh, to cover, they want a new siding. We needed to raise it 2,000. And of course, by then, you can't do that because he can't go out and change his appraisal, uh, even though the comps were ridiculous. So, um, yeah, I, I've been experiencing the, the good appraiser versus a bad appraiser. So I, uh, I guess on, on that note, what would you do in a case like that or what would you suggest somebody should do? Um, if we have a bad, um, a bad appraisal or something that I feel that they use the wrong comps for, do I have anything to do? Beat well, him on uh, the head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Avoid violence. Avoid threats. I have
3: interesting <laughs> stories about those. Oh, I was kidding, so, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm just talking. I'm just talking to the one investor who's listening right now with a baseball bat and chain <laughs> in, in, in its trunk. So. Um, no, but I think, I mean, there's a sense where in the world of appraisal, you're trying to uh, get a deal closed. Obviously, if, if, it, if the numbers work for you, but it's just not a great appraisal, you're not going to contest that. And so that, that's just how it goes. But, you know, if something is not legitimate, you just feel like, wow, these are all the wrong comps. I can't believe this happened. And it's really, you know, not a good representation of value and it's damaging your your pockets, then you can definitely contest that usually lenders have a formal way to contest it and you can do that or your realtor can do that Uh, it's just important to know what that is but I just always recommend when someone wants to contest an appraisal that they put it in writing you don't want to just give the appraiser a call. You don't want to give an emotional speech saying, well, I think value is just higher because that really doesn't do anything to advance the conversation. So if you can send in a very cordial and humble letterhead, something that critiques comps in the report, you know, you can point out things about comp one, backs to commercial property, and how does this impact value? The appraiser didn't mention it, seems like an inferior location, You know, comp two, a, B, and C, Comp 3, A, B, and C, but then most importantly, provide additional data. Give the appraiser, here's two other sales, and would you consider, how does the appraiser feel about these two properties, or are, the, are these adequate comparisons? And so, I think it's very, very important to do that, because then the appraiser you know, can take a look at the situation and, and realize, wow, if, if I really did um, you know, beef up this appraisal and, and mess things up, then I can at least go back and include one of those sales now the thing is though I'll say that it's really hit and miss sometimes you'll have success and sometimes you won't and so um, you know it it just really depends on the appraiser depends on the lender Um, but also I will say one one last thing that just make sure you're really familiar with the format of an appraisal report so that you can really look at it interpret it correctly and you can quickly analyze things and say wait Tax record says the property is 1,600 square feet. The appraiser measured 1,400 or 1,300. So there's a discrepancy there, and you'll be able to quickly point those things out and uh, and be able to then put that into a rebuttal or an appeal. And, hey, if it was just a square footage error, then great. That's an easy fix for the appraiser and instant, should be instant value if the appraiser messed that up.
0: Yeah, a couple of weeks ago we had uh, Frank Gallinelli on the show, um, and I think it was podcast number four. And he talked about that with his, uh, his county appraiser, um, who did his, the assessment on, uh, one of his properties and he, or on something he was appraising and they had just gotten the number wrong. Um, they had used the wrong, I think it was the wrong cap rate. And so he, he talked about how to, um, you know, as long as you're, you know, you got your facts before you and, and you know what's going on, just, you know, present it in a non-emotional kind of a manner and you can get a lot accomplished that way. So no, that's, that's really good advice. Um. I wish I would have actually talked to you like two weeks ago <laughs> <laughs> yeah and exactly and and I think too
3: it's just it's important to go in with an attitude to build a bridge rather than name call and do all the things that turn off a person from wanting to listen and so I mean pr- as professionals we should all listen to each other but um, you're more prone to gain an audience if you have that you know cordial respectful tone and so so that's that's just really important and i'd say one one last thing in terms of income properties pay really close attention to the gross rent multiplier because that that makes a key difference in the appraisal when the appraiser uses the income approach and and you know getting the rents right and the grm right because if that's off and you have better data then absolutely present
0: that so what exactly is a gross rent multiplier for those who don't know
3: uh it's it's just a metric Um, for dealing with income properties it would be the the sales price or value divided by the monthly rent and so it's just a way of looking at investment properties and so if I were to look at five five sales five recent sales in the market then I could divide their sales price by their monthly rent and that gives me a certain metric and the, the properties that are most similar to the one I'm appraising I can derive that GRM, the gross rent multiplier, from those properties and then use that in my appraisal. Now the least similar properties, the the REO beaters and the short sales um, there might be a reason why the g r m is coming in at a way different level, and so i 've got to make sure that i 'm using the right g r m in my report, otherwise it can really skew the numbers because investors ultimately are looking at these properties and considering things like 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 their rent rental income and possibilities so so i 've got to consider that as an appraiser
2: oh that 's great that 's great well listen. Just to remind everybody, this is show seven on the Bigger Pockets podcast. It's biggerpockets.com slash show seven. Go there, check out the show notes. We're going to have lots of great information about the show over there. Um, Let me follow up with a question about the numbers themselves. Um, Seems like there's a lot of discussion all the time about hitting the number, right? Uh, Brandon talked about it. We talked about it a little bit. Um, Are there any tips that you have? Uh, for investors uh, to avoid pressuring appraisers uh, on hitting that number
3: yeah, absolutely, and I would just say make sure in your heart of hearts that you 're not pressuring appraisers I know, I know that sounds really <laughs> profound, but um you know take take the pressure off and and I think one thing that you can do is just avoid pressure statements when you meet the appraiser at the property, you know you don 't want to be saying oh man i 've got." 40,000 wrapped up in this it has to appraise if it doesn't appraise I'm going to lose everything because that that gives a little puts a little pressure on the appraiser or you know I really need this one to to work out or saying things like you, you know I don't want to ask you to do anything unethical but <laughs> just, but just do your very best. But please, please don't be unethical. Just do your best,
2: okay? So <laughs> and here's a hundred dollars for you. <laughs> your
3: ex- exactly. Or, or sometimes investors, are, you know, can say, "I'll I'll give you more business if you, you know, if you make this one work out or work your magic." And that's just eh, that's that's a little on the shady side of life. You know what I'm saying?
2: Well, so, so let's talk about the shady side of life. What, what has what's what's the shadiest thing you've ever experienced?
3: The shadiest thing, oh boy.
2: Oh, come on, man. There's like 25 I, stories that come to mind right away, aren't there?
3: Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sure something will come up in the course of conversation, but people honestly ask me to, to lie all the time. And so, and so that, that bothers me. It, it really does. And so uh, I, I don't like that. I don't like being put in that position. And, and and I don't like when people outright lie to me either about about their properties and so I'm not an angry guy here I'm not saying this out of anger but when someone tells me oh this property um, it, it's in it's in the best school district and and they and they totally mischaracterize the um, the neighborhood and comparables and they're really just trying to get me to hit a number I just think man oh, wh- why are you doing that that um, it, you know, if you don't have anything, just don't give me anything. But I just appreciate not being lied to. So
0: yeah, you're going to find yeah. it out anyway. So
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I know exactly. And then and then it makes the other person look bad. I don't trust that person. I won't refer business to that person. Um, and so it really it really destroys any potential relationship in the future too. For it's very short sighted. It's better just to do honest business. Keep things simple. Keep those properties priced correctly, and um, avoid avoid pressure on anyone. That's that's good.
2: That's great advice, great advice. Hey man. so somebody tells me that there's a way to learn about understanding real estate via an old toy. Um, actually, it was Lego. Somebody somebody <laughs> <laughs> somehow told me that if I were to go online, there's this article that spells out how Legos can help us understand real estate. Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about that.
3: <laughs> well, yeah, I have uh, I have actually two posts where I've used Legos to help, uh, you know. Convey concepts like functional obsolescence or um, just show different real estate uh, trends or funky things in houses. And so, yeah, that, those were fun. My, I, have, I have two boys, and we love Legos, and sometimes I let that cross over into my blog somehow.
2: Yeah, those, those were really great posts, and, and we'll be sure to, to um, link to those in the show notes. Uh, I, I definitely got a kick out of seeing those, and, and uh, so we'll make sure to share that with everybody. Hey,
0: thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I want to go real quick to something that was going on in the forums um, over on the bigger pockets forums. There was a a uh, question that came up a couple weeks ago, and there's been you know quite a bit of debate on it. and it kind of relates to what I was talking about earlier with my situation, but um a little bit a uh, little bit different. So basically this this thread called appraisal woes., uh, somebody's trying to sell a house, and the sales price was two hundred and fifty three thousand and the appraisal came in 20,000 under. Uh so this person was asking what what to do about that. And, you know, do they just lower their sales price or can they, you know, do something? I'm wondering what do you recommend? And also like why is there that difference? I mean, is there is that common today? Uh, what can you tell us about that?
3: Yeah, that's definitely a loaded question. I'll, I'll say this is it it's very common in my market right now for appraisals to come in lower. All right, during the previous boom, it was all about, hey, hit the number, man, hit the number. And I'm going to find someone to hit the number. But um, we've removed that uh, direct link with appraisers. And so it really should be, as it should have been then, an independent valuation. And so some of the reason why there's a discrepancy there is because properties are overpriced. Uh, assuming it wasn't a bad appraisal, of course. But right now, the market, in some senses, it's really propped up. It's being influenced by um, external factors such as low inventory, historically low rates, exponential cash sales. In Sacramento, 35% of all sales in the whole county are cash right now. That's up 7% over the year. And um, under $200,000 in quarter four of 2012, 49% Forty nine percent of all sales were cash, oh, and wow. so Oof. so uh, forty so one out of every two sales was cash. And so what that's doing is that it, it's increasing the median price levels, but um, uh, be, basically under two hundred thousand, the market's just just out of control. It's just appreciating like wild, but that same appreciation isn't happening at every tier of the market. And what it's doing is it, it's helping the numbers look a little bit better than they actually are. And so sometimes uh, properties, you know, you really can get into contract. Even though you're priced twenty or $30,000 above anything else, you will get multiple offers when you list a property right now in the Sacramento area. And the thing is, is that what the appraiser's analyzing is market value. And it's like a like what an appraiser colleague uh, Patrick Egger what he says. Um, Imagine market value if you lined up a hundred buyers, what would the typical buyer pay for this house? All right. A lot of times in 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 our dream world, we want that that one buyer, the the private equity fund. We want Blackstone to come in, and they're willing to pay you know fifteen or twenty thousand dollars over uh, any, anyone else because they can, and because it works for their cap rates, but. What would the typical buyer pay? A lot of times, that's well, that's what the appraiser is analyzing, and then the numbers are definitely going to come in lower than um, than what what uh, what maybe a hedge fund or, or or other buyer. So,
0: okay, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and one question I should have asked you earlier, probably, but um, kind of relating to that, is does it make any sense to come up with your own comps to bring to the appraiser? Um, like in that case where. Uh, You're under if if I'm adamantly sure that that property is worth two fifty three and I have comps, can I bring them ahead of time, maybe, or um, only to if there's a problem with it?
3: Yeah, I would say it's most important in business and life. Why not be proactive instead of reactive? And so. I would say as part of your normative practice in business and flipping properties, yeah, come with data. And so and even rather than calling them comps where you're saying, hey, here are your comps, here's how you can do your job. Here's number one, number two, and number three, <laughs> just come and say, hey, here's some data I use to, um, to list the property. And so really what you' what you're getting at is that this is support for your your purchase price. Or for the contract price, and then um, you can make notes on comp one and the MLS sheet if you've talked to the other agent or if you have inside information, then you know do all those things. I think that's important if you know how to make graphs, which is such such a good skill to have, and then you can show trends in the neighborhood with those graphs bring those I mean bring whatever you can I'd, I'd say that's great just just don't bring the baseball bat you know. <laughs>
4: transform your lead generation and deal making strategies with deal machine sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com/bp
1: listen up business owners cuz i've got some quick little math for you fewer costs equal more profit the problem you're spending more than ever on operations materials deliveries software and more So why not reduce your costs and headaches with NetSuite by Oracle? NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Oh, also, NetSuite lives in the cloud, which means you can reduce IT costs with no hardware required. Cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because now you've got one unified business management suite. You can improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. It makes sense that over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. So don't let rising costs sink your business growth. And by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. netsuite.com slash biggerpockets. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. You've heard us talk about it before. High interest rates are crushing real estate investors, leaving even some of the best investors in need of funding now. But with today's liquidity crisis, who can fill the demand? With Fundrise, This is a paid endorsement for Fundrise. Past performance is not indicative of future results. All investments can lead to loss.
2: So, uh, you, you know, a lot of a lot of folks will uh, go to their their lenders with with these packages, right? They're they're fully prepared, but they don't. They when the appraiser comes in, they may not necessarily have anything pre-packaged or pre-planned. Um, it sounds to me like you're saying if you want if you want to potentially influence. And when I say influence, I'm just, I'm not saying in a bad way. I'm just saying, you know, you want to reveal things that you, you're afraid might be missed, put together some kind of packet, talk about what's going on in the neighborhood, talk about potentially highlights of the property itself, uh, features that, that potentially might make for a, uh, a better appraisal, things like that, and have it, have it plotted out and just basically, hey, Mr. Appraiser, here you go.
3: Absolutely, and definitely include all the costs you spent to rehab the property, as well as um, any any other information, like uh, an itemized list, written list of of all your repairs. Okay, sometimes get to a property, then you know someone wants to go over that verbally. I I'd love to just get that over email, something I can quickly cut and paste in the report and say, hey, they spent twenty three thousand on this house and. And if you got the house for a really good deal, then let the appraiser know that. Say, yeah, I bought this on the court steps, and I I just got a slamming deal. And so, um, I mean, it shouldn't matter what you purchased it for previously, but the lender's going to want to know, why is this house selling for twice of what it did before? And yeah. so there's got to be some sort of justification for that, and they're going to be looking to the appraiser to to address that.
2: Now, that's great. That's great. Well, what what about that on on the flips? You, you know, there's... There's the uh, there's the guys who go out and, and they put lipstick on a pig, right? And and I'm sure, sure yeah. those those are our favorites on Bigger Pockets. Those guys <laughs> who basically give a bad name to to real estate investors. Really, I mean, they just you know do bad things and and you know assume that the property is going to be worth a lot because they just put paint over peeling paint. Um, and then you've got the guys who are going and they're they're doing really quality work, um, putting a lot of money in. Um, I, I guess, you know, we're not going to pass uh, an appraiser. We're not going to fool you by, by trying to do shoddy worksmanship, are we?
3: No, no. I, I encountered a property recently where there were some shards of glass sticking out from a broken window of a, of a double pane window. And then this high quality contractor or investor put duct tape over it to cover it. And, <laughs> and it didn't fool me. It didn't fool the lender either. <laughs> nice. So, no, no, I mean, anyone, uh, you know, worth a hill of beans in the real estate community will be able to look right through that and just see the the poor workmanship and I know in my market investors who really do a good job and uh, because I know a lot of them personally or I've just been able to observe their work and I know the ones who really don't do a good job and I know that's why in a lot of cases their properties sell for less because they just really aren't done that well or... They're trying to market their property to an FHA buyer, but then I go, oh, then there's ten FHA repairs on on the property, and then I'm thinking, guys, why why aren't you getting this right?
2: So the quality of work that you do is going to be reflective in the price. Period. There's no no two questions about
3: that, right? Uh, absolutely, it really really matters. And but I will say too, it comes back to knowing the neighborhood market because you certainly don't want to over-improve the property. <laughs> Uh, you know, in a hundred thousand dollar neighborhood, you probably don't want to put the twenty five thousand dollar kitchen remodel, right? And so, yeah. uh, so it's really important to know that again. And so, and I will say, for investors, get to know an appraiser. Um, take an appraiser out to lunch. Um, get to know someone that you. He can just really wants a on. free
2: lunch, guys.
1: <laughs> I know. I,
3: I'm free all next. You know, these next few weeks. <laughs> you know, I prefer to eat between twelve and two. <laughs> no. No, I'm serious because uh, it's it's so important to have that relationship because I think what appraisers are seeing out in the market is is crucial and sometimes it's it's different than maybe investors and I think that there's a sharing that can go on there because I do think also that investors are very very in touch with the market, um, especially the ones doing high volume.
2: Yeah, yeah, and you know one of the things that we like to tell people all the time is you know you, you get a lot of these newbies who are like, hey, how do I you know how do i start investing what do i do how do i get to know the values of the properties things like that and we always say listen you gotta go out and look at every property in your market you need to understand your market as well as an appraiser would understand it you're not necessarily gonna do an appraisal on the property but if you go and you look at fifty a hundred properties in your area you're gonna have a pretty good damn idea of what a property's worth and 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 i i think Having that sense of education and understanding is going to make you a better investor. It's going to help you to know whether or not to overimprove or not uh, overimprove, you know, a property. For example, I think that's one of the the problems you find a lot of newbies doing is, you know, they go out and they spend way too much money for uh, the the property, and uh, they end up, you know, making a lot less or or nothing.
0: I've made that mistake a number of times, actually. I mean, like where I've I paid too much for property um, or maybe not even paid too much, you know, but I put way too much into it. And so, you know, it, all, it always usually works out. Okay. And I've been lucky maybe. um, But there's definitely a point where you need to know your market and know that like my market does not need granite countertops. I mean, there are no granite countertops in my county, except for, you know, the really high end houses on the hill. And that's something I had to learn earlier on was that it's okay for me to put laminate in, and you know that that's that's acceptable so um yeah so that's great uh I'd actually like to move a little bit in something you mentioned earlier f h uh, a um what can you tell us about f h a um and some people might not even know what that stands for and uh I guess what can you tell us about that
3: sure thing well there it, basically uh f h a um guarantees loans and so these are really a hot commodity in the market um, because buyers only have to put down um, 96 point, or they have to put down only 3.5 percent of the purchase price. And in some markets, like in California, where prices are still higher than a lot of places, that that really means a lot because then buyers can get into properties. And um, and then really FHA has strict guidelines too, where they want properties that are safe, sound and secure. those are their three S's. And they have really a detailed list of minimum property requirements. And so the appraiser is going to go in there and they you know they're making sure that everything works and they're making sure that there's no health and safety hazards as much as the appraiser can do because uh, there's some things that appraisers aren't just kind of the appraisers aren't specialists and know, toxic mold and, you know, environmental hazards, so to speak. And so, um, so it's really, it can really be a good deal for, for buyers because they can get into a property that should be in, in pretty okay condition and, um, and get a loan too, where, where they don't have to put down a lot of money.
2: That's great. Yeah. And, and, and our show notes, com slash show seven. We actually have an article. It's a FHA inspection checklist, uh, which is a really Popular post on the site, and uh, we'll point to that and let people know so they can go through and check that out whenever they are, uh, um, yeah, going to have uh, their their properties appraised. Um, I want to want to jump really quick to uh, probably some of the most common FHA condition issues. Um, maybe you can fill us in on uh, what are the most uh, the, the things you see most often.
3: Sure. I think one of the things I see most often is a defective paint surface where there's chipping, peeling, flaking paint, or there's bare wood. It's got to be covered, and a house was built before 1978 where there could be the potential for lead-based paint. That's a safety issue, and so that's why it has to be uh, properly cured. So if you're flipping a property, just make sure that's, a, um, that's good. Make sure all the appliances work. Um, if there's a heater there, if there's an air conditioner there, they should work. Um, I that's also that's very very common in California there's carbon monoxide detectors required now and so um, make sure that those are there uh, basically just go through the house as if you were a 12 year old and make sure things work if the windows won't open then make sure that they can open if the sliding glass door doesn't open. It's got to open, and so um, one, one thing that I see, though, that this has kind of been coming up quite a bit lately is that as an appraiser, I have to inspect the attic. I have to do a, an inspection from the shoulders up to just sort of visually observe what what's going on up there, and if there's not an attic access and there is an attic, then before you – list the property on the market just make sure you you put in a scuttle because the appraiser is gonna have to do that and you know I I just called one out is actually an investor flip and and I made the the value opinion subject to me inspecting the attic and so now I have to go back out there cost to borrow a hundred bucks hold up a loan for probably a week or so while they uh, make sure that they they cut a square in in the ceiling
2: that's great 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 advice Um, Hey, you talked about lead Paint and uh, there, there has been some uh, controversy, controversy about uh, lead paint um, of late on bigger pockets. I think there was just a little bit of confusion uh, between some folks. But um, let's talk about lead paint and and you know obviously when 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 folks go and they they sell uh, a property built previous to seventy eight, they've got to uh, give over the, the lead paint disclosure, but. What else do they need to do, particularly um, when it uh, comes to a property that's being purchased with kids? Um, you know, so, uh, I, I know there's a little bit of confusion. Some folks have actually uh, thought that that property has to be completely uh, remediated of, of lead paint, uh, and, and that would cost a, a fortune. <laughs> so, it <you> know, would. <laughs> what, what do you need to actually get done uh, to, to protect this property for, for, the, for the next buyer?
3: well according to from an fHA perspective there shouldn't be any defective paint surface which would be chipping flaking peeling paint which would basically allow potential lead you know to be to be uh, breathed and so it's important if there's any surface like that that it's the paint has to be properly scraped and then sealed with uh paint or an fha approved sealant because um so then that way it, it can't be just be flaked off and little johnny starts munching on chips uh we don't want to meet in those kind of chips and so <laughs> um so that's really what it comes down to i mean if we had to totally remediate uh lead it, i mean our housing stock in america would would just be in really deep trouble and so uh, so that's really what's most important. Um, if you are interested, FHA actually has about a 50 page handbook about how to properly, um, cure a defective paint surface. So if you're looking for some inspiring reading, um, go for it.
0: Yeah, that's great. And I think we can probably link to that in the show notes too. We'll see if we can find that and throw it up there. So be sure to check out that at, uh, biggerpockets.com slash show seven. Hey Ryan. So earlier on the podcast, you talked about something that I think we, we
2: should touch on a little bit more here before we head out, uh, and and that's the, uh, the the topic of hedge funds. You you mentioned Blackstone. Um, you know, for for those people who are probably unfamiliar, the hedge funds are really starting to get into the uh, single family rental uh, business, and uh, they're they're scooping up properties around the country. But you know, unlike what uh, some of the gurus might make you believe, you know, they're not buying all the inventory. You know, there's still plenty of property to go around um... but but why don't we talk about what are you seeing you know what are these guys doing uh... what's their price point and and uh... at least f- for for what you're witnessing and and uh, how's it uh, affecting the local market
3: Sure thing. Well, yeah, it's it's been amazing to see investor activity in the Sacramento market lately. It's really, I would say, investors are absolutely dominating the market. Where I said before, cash is is pushing up median price levels, kind of making things look a little bit better than they are since our unemployment is still 10%. So, we have all this growth driven by outside forces, and one of those forces is definitely um, investors in hedge funds, private equity funds like Blackstone. Um, they've purchased. About 500 properties since August 1st, 2012, which is a significant amount. They own about 900 right now in Sacramento County uh, because they've, they've been here before, owned properties before. But really, what what they've done is that they've gone in and purchased um, really anything. They're they're buying on the court steps, they're buying on MLS, and um, and really have been real estate locusts in, in in a certain regard, but. The thing is, is that yeah, they aren't they aren't buying everything. There still are properties. It's really difficult for others to get in on them sometimes, since there's only about a one month supply of inventory. But what it's done effectively, though, is it's really it's really driven up prices. Um, it's created increased competition. Sometimes uh, Blackstone, I've seen them overpay a good ten fifteen thousand on properties. They've also purchased flips, and so it's been good for investors. And so investors who have properties and who um, who have held on to them for years, I've seen a lot of private deals, but I've also seen deals on MLS where investors have been selling to them. Since I blogged about it several times, I have people calling me on a weekly basis saying, what's their phone number? I want to sell to them. And so um, whereas a lot of people, it's funny in the real estate community, Blackstone's sort of like Voldemort where um, <laughs> in, in, in Harry Potter, if you know the series – no one wants to say Voldemort, the evil figure's name, because he has so much power. And I think in the real estate community, it's like that, where a lot of agents don't want to, you know, really share publicly that they're frustrated with uh, Blackstone. And I'm not saying they're evil. I think that they're really savvy. But um, you know, I, I think that's definitely a dynamic playing out.
0: So do you see that they're avoiding the the really ugly houses there are they only buying the good ones or are they buying everything that they can in every kind of uh, condition?
3: You know I I haven't looked at every property, obviously, but I have noticed that they've stayed away from two specific areas in Sacramento that others would more categorize as the ghetto. And so they focus eighty uh, one percent of their purchases as I calculated a couple weeks ago were under $200,000 and 19% were above that. Uh, and most of them were really below two hundred and fifty. dollars And so the vast bulk of what they focused on is sort of the first time buyer market. And, and so because they're not focusing on every neighborhood, I would say to other investors, it's time to diversify. Focus on where they're not going. Or focus on other price points above three hundred thousand. Diversify, get a different plan together, and so. And of course, I, I don't think they're going to be buying forever either, because you, your money's got to run out at some point, even though they have millions. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, no. Listen, I, I mean that's a really good advice. I, I actually had a conversation with a, a couple of private equity guys uh, a couple of weeks ago, and. Uh, uh one of one of which works at a company that was scooping up properties left and right and it's interesting you know he you know on the down low obviously I'm not going to say who he was and and who he works for but you know he he basically was saying listen we're this is what's hot right now and while it's hot we're in and so we're going to keep getting in we're going to keep buying and frankly we don't give a damn what the price is we're just trying to scoop up inventory so that we can justify to our investors that we're buying real estate and we're we're buying rental property, and at some point things are going to change. We're going to dump. We're going to unload our portfolios, and everybody's going to be happy again that the evil uh, funds are out of the uh, out of the game again. Um, so exactly what you said is true. I mean, these guys aren't going to be around forever. You know, they're in now. They're probably you know some will be in tomorrow, but others might not. So don't worry, diversify, and you know there's there's always going to be plenty of
0: property around for you to jump into
3: absolutely well said i agree
0: yeah i guess we kind of probably should be get wrapping this thing up now um we do have a few questions that we like to ask at the end though uh ryan so i guess we'll just uh, burn through those real quick um first of all uh do you have a favorite real estate book i know you're you're an uh, appraiser but do you have a favorite real estate book out there
3: you know, honestly, I I just I'm not a huge reader. I that just doesn't do it for me. Um, so I I'd say I'd say no. I mean, I've certainly read all the essentials for my coursework and continuing education, but you know, that's not what sparks me in life. So I, you know, that, what is that what that
2: spark it is. you? What what sparks you?
3: You know, I I love uh, community building, working with my neighborhood association. Um, I run a nonprofit to advocate for homeless youth. I, I love kayaking, biking, doing Legos with my kids, uh, you know, just being outdoors, camping in the backyard, building out of used wood. You know, those, those things are my passion.
2: Building out of used wood. Explain that.
3: Oh, well, I, I just love to, you know, redeem scraps that are sitting around to, you know, get two by fours and four by fours and, you know, sheets from somewhere. And, you know, I once built a clubhouse out of pallet wood and I... I just take a lot of joy in that. Or I, I built a table for my porch last summer just out of scrap wood. So it's, oh, that's cool. It's fun. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, one one of the big questions that that we like to ask is um, differentiating between the the top performers out there and the wannabes. Um, you know, typically when we're talking to investors, we'll ask them, "Hey, you know, what do you think really sets these best investors apart?" But you know, why don't we apply that to to appraisers here? You know, you're you're one of these guys that you know, I've, I, I know, th- no, I know nothing but good things about, uh, you've got a fantastic reputation. Um, and, and so, you know, what do you think sets you apart potentially from s- some of the appraisers who are not as, uh, you know, they're not doing their job as well. What, what's the difference?
3: Well, uh, well first, thanks so much. I appreciate the high praise. Um, I, I am just, I'm going to work really hard and I know four years ago I started a blog to have an online voice to really just build connections with people and so, uh, so that's really important in, in my um, presentation of business and in life. I just, I, I want to connect with people and I will continually work very hard to diversify and as I look at the trends in the market um i you know there's this refi boom will end for me as an appraiser i've got a lot of lender work right now and so i'm not putting all my eggs in that basket i am continually seeking other types of work and and always always uh fishing for private appraisals um so that i can uh really thrive that's that's very very huge i know when the market crashed i uh I didn't lose millions of dollars like a couple of the investors have talked about hmm. but um but man there were a couple really dark years where I spent a lot of time on Craigslist selling stuff in the house and <laughs> and where um you know where where things got really meager and I just um I want to make sure that I'm staying ahead of the curve that I'm analyzing the trends very carefully so that I can be ready for what happens next in the market
2: That's great and you know do you think it would be a good idea for investors to potentially go out and learn a lot more about appraisals, potentially get licensed, uh, in, in order to, to, you know, potentially, uh, run a better business, more effective, efficient, or do you think that's just going a little bit too far?
3: I think that's probably going too far. I would say let someone else who's professional, um, you know, add that person to your team. Focus on what you do best, but really get to know how to think like an appraiser because you want to have that mindset when you're approaching selling your properties or purchasing your properties um, because that's that's really the key. So, uh, and it, honestly, it's it's a little bit challenging to go get an appraisal license right now for uh, for a lot of reasons. And so, it would just it would really be honestly an uphill battle. So, I, I would recommend against that.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. Hey, that's great, Ryan. Hey, listen, where can people find out more about you? I know they can go to your blog, which is Sacramento Awesome. Anywhere else? Are you on Facebook, Twitter, yep. G Plus? I know you're on Bigger Pockets, that's for sure.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Facebook.com slash Sacramento Appraiser. And then on Twitter, I'm SacAppraiser.
2: And you're on G Plus as well somewhere.
3: And G Plus, yep.
2: Awesome. Awesome. All right, man. Well listen, it's been an absolute pleasure. I know I've learned a lot and hopefully everyone else has as well. Thanks so much for being on the show.
3: Hey, thanks, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. Thank you, Ryan.
2: All right, everyone. That was our show with real estate appraiser Ryan Lundquist. Woo! I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I'm i glad to hear that you, you liked it so much, Brent.
0: <laughs> I did. <laughs>
2: Listen, I, I, I know I know I learned a ton of great things on this show, and, and I hope you guys all did. Certainly, Brandon did from the uh, sound <laughs> of it. <laughs> as always, you can review all the links from this show on the show notes at biggerpockets.com slash show7. Wait, oh, hey, Ryan, listen. Uh, as of today, we're actually having hey, 115 podcast, you five-star reviews on iTunes, Brandon and that's oh, sh- pretty damn awesome. Brandon Turner. Uh, Hello, This one be possible without the help of all <laughs> of you guys uh, so okay. we'll you know I really just want to thank One you of course Christ. remember to follow Jesus us Christ. on Facebook at facebook.com/ bigger pockets and on Twitter at twitter.com/ bigger pockets as well before we finally go if you aren't a member of BiggerPockets.com yet we'd love to have you as part of our community. you could read more about what bigger pockets is and what we stand for including the bigger pockets mindset, Nine Core Beliefs of Bigger Pockets members at biggerpockets.com start here. Uh, membership is, of course, free and gives you access to a lot of great conversations, networking, training, and deal-making uh, that's happening all day long, every day. Also, if you are new to real estate investing, you've got to check out our Ultimate Beginner's Guide to Real Estate Investing. Totally free, no upsells. You don't have to put an email address in to get access to it. Just go on the site and check it out. You can find that at biggerpockets.com/ubg. Again, biggerpockets.com/ubg for Ultimate Beginner's Guide. Thank you so much for listening. This is Joshua Dorkin signing off.
0: You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small.